Welcome back to the third episode of Depolarizing America, a podcast discussing the best ways to combat polarization in American society. Each episode, we will deliver the in-depth research discovered by our science and legal teams in Science Court. I'm your host, Matt Simonson, and I am joined by Hannah Ehekernia and Jess Jersik. In this episode, we will be discussing the education programs and the plan to market voluntary service programs in the United States. Thank you, Jenny, for taking the time to talk with me today. Can you start off by just introducing yourself and um, telling us a little bit about your role on Science Court? Yeah, so I'm Jenny Lim. I'm heading the domain of education on the science team of Science Court. So basically, I research education and what it has to do with mandatory service and polarization and relay the information back to Science Court. Awesome. Thank you. So I understand that during your research, you've come across some concerns about the effectiveness of mandatory service. Could you tell me a little bit more about those? The main concern of mandatory service is that research shows that service programs are far more effective for students that have intentions and are motivated to volunteer. Otherwise, less inclined students are shown to be less likely to volunteer in the future. Also, it can be kind of like a waste of time for volunteer coordinators and organizers if they have to work with people who just don't want to be there. And our expert pointed out that mandatory service can seem more like a requirement or like hours they have to fulfill for students. So they're less likely to find meaning from their experiences and also volunteer in the future. So despite those concerns, what are some benefits to mandatory service that you've encountered in your research? It does bring people together that wouldn't otherwise meet and can help foster like interests among people. And our expert told us that it also depends on the age group. So mandatory service for kids in K-12 schools are shown to be more effective or have a more positive outcome than college-age students. And this can be cut. This can be because K-12 students doesn't give kids a lot of freedom. So by giving them an opportunity to volunteer it helps foster empowerment amongst this age group. Dr. Furco, who is our expert, mentioned an example where younger students were taking history class and learning about slavery, and they were wondering if there was still slavery in the world. And they learned that there was still slavery in Sudan, where parents sell their kids to laborers, and in order to get them back, they have to pay a cost. So these kids came together and raised a huge amount of money in their community and were able to freeze slaves in Sudan on behalf of other slaves' parents. However, college-age students, they come to college with a lot more freedom than people in K-12, and they have different interests, and they have different intentions when they come to college. Like, instead of wanting to do mandatory service, they could be more focused on meeting new people and making new friends. And because of this, mandatory service is less likely to have an impact on them since at that point in their lives, they have more control. Well, that's really interesting. And the story about the elementary school kids is really fascinating too. We're college students um, and we can probably relate to being really busy and feeling like we, ha- feeling like we have a lot of requirements to meet. Um, so yeah, that divide is very interesting between the K through 12, um, possibly benefiting more from, man- from mandatory service than the college age um, people benefiting potentially less from mandatory service or at least getting less out of it. Um, But in our discussions in class, um, I know we've heard a lot of uncertainty about how a voluntary program could still be effective in fighting polarization. And there's this concern that a voluntary program will only attract people who innately want to volunteer already, and it will just completely miss a larger segment of the population that isn't as inclined to volunteer. So um, what do you think or what have you found to be the pushback to that that argument in your research? Something that I found which is interesting is that research shows that when people are surrounded by others who volunteer, they're more likely to volunteer themselves. And a thought that I had is like maybe if there was like a widespread voluntary program in the U.S. that gained enough popularity, people might start to see volunteering as a given, even if it isn't mandated and kind of like 
push people to volunteer through peer pressure almost, but like in a good way that people see it as kind of like a rite of passage, just like how college in high school, you kind of think of college as a given, but college isn't required or anything. People can go to trade school or just start working, but people see college as kind of the way to go. And maybe if volunteer programs were more uh, popularized, they could maybe combine college maybe with volunteering and make it more interesting for other people. But also, if a mandatory service program does get um, implemented, research shows that less inclined students versus more inclined students, they learn exactly the same thing. It's not like they're going to not learn from them. And also, there was a research that was like mandatory service is a double-edged sword. When they were doing it, they didn't want to do it in high school, but in college, they saw the benefits of it. So in that way, it was like a double-edged sword. Like there was good that came out of it, but they did have to suffer kind of along the way. And Dr. Furco, our expert, suggested that in contrast to a mandatory service program, Higher education can be structured in a way that students come into college with an issue of society they care about and come together with others that have the same issue and come together to find potential solutions. This way, students get to consider issues in society and come across people they have similar interests to. But amongst those people, they're going to have different backgrounds. So as they interact more and they learn more about each other's backgrounds, and they're going to find potential solutions to issues in society that they care about. That's really interesting. I like the point of reframing the service to be about an issue rather than just being about the service that would avoid people just doing the service to check a box or to fulfill the requirement rather than actually getting something out of it. So I'm just curious, after all the research that you've done, do you feel like a mandatory service program or service in general is a good tool to fight polarization? I think for me... I'm kind of on the fence just because you can apply what I learned to either side of whether mandatory service would be good or mandatory service wouldn't be good. I don't know. I came into college undecided. I'm still undecided. So I could see a potential benefit to mandatory service. Maybe you could have more time to figure things out and get put into a place where you kind of get to figure things out a little bit more. It's it'd probably be more structured than like a gap year. It would be nice, but also no one wants to be forced to do anything. When you force people, they're just not going to want to do it. Either way, I think there's going to be positives to both sides and negatives to both sides. I don't really feel strongly either way. I'm wondering, um, so at this point, you've talked to an expert, you spent weeks and weeks reading studies and doing research, um, which we're very grateful for. Are there any other topics that you're excited to dig into deeper or questions that you're planning on answering next? Uh, yeah, definitely about a gap year, seeing like what benefit a gap year would have versus um, a mandatory service year and also things that they learn from mandatory service, like in specifics. When I researched the skills that people gain from mandatory service of civic action, interpersonal and problem solving skills, political awareness, leadership skills, social justice attitudes and diversity attitudes. None of those had significant gains between pre and post test measures, except for interpersonal problem solving skills and political awareness. And those two variables are really important stuff, but it's interesting to see that like diversity attitudes or like social justice attitudes, they didn't change when our idea of mandatory service is to like get rid of polarization. Also, I'd like to do more research on polarization and its relationship to education. There's also that idea that people that are more educated, I think, are more likely to lean a certain way on the political scale than the other. So it'd be interesting to see why. If we have a voluntary program, I know you talked about like how you kind of avoid the self-selection issue, but like, do we just attract people who are educated um, and do have that sense to serve? I don't know, something that I've come back and forth with a lot. Um, do you have any anything else you um, want to mention or talk about? There was this one interesting study that I read. Their main thing was, yeah, mandatory service can be good for people, but the people that it's trying to help, like those people that fall through the cracks, they might not even 
help them. Like the whole mandatory service, the way that's structured has to be structured in a way that it can help those people because it was like, you need to have meaning and you need to like engage maybe more like at risk people. The things that engage them and things that motivate them are different than people who are have more privileged lives. Well, thank you for all of your insight and your research throughout the semester so far. This is great. Yeah, thanks for interviewing me. Enjoying the show so far? We are currently recruiting a jury where you can help to decide this case at trial on April 24th. Visit our website at scicourt.umn.edu to apply. Hello, everyone. I am here with Madeline, a member of the con side of the legal team arguing for voluntary service programs. Madeline, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and your role in Science Court? Yeah, so my name is Madeline Stankevich. I'm a sophomore here at the U, and I am on the con side of the legal team. And I'd like to start off with, in order to market these voluntary service programs, what domains of research are you and your partner, Ashant, focusing on? So we're really focusing on the psychology and the sociology domains for our voluntary service program, just because they complement each other so nicely. And Mannix and David have done a lot of really great work on not only how mandatory versus voluntary service affects a single person, but also how it affects groups in general. For that reason, those are really the two that are standing out. And why those over maybe other um, domains, maybe like economics or um, health? So the reason we're really focusing on these two, and of course, we're taking research from the other ones as well. Um, These two just really hold the most research as to what types of programs we are attempting to create at this moment. How are you designing your plan to market voluntary service programs to be more reasonable than a mandatory service? The big thing about a voluntary service program is the fact that it is voluntary and you can do it at any point in your life. You can mediate for certain life events, you know, having a child, perhaps having to take care of grandparents. When you're forced to do a service or volunteer between the ages of 18 and 23, there's not a whole lot of leeway. So by creating a program where you can volunteer at any point in your life, that's how we're creating something that we believe is more reasonable than a mandatory service project. How do you think the main focus of psychology and sociology would play into the more reasonable aspect of that? So... Mannix has done a lot of really wonderful research on how choice factors into how people perceive service. And so when people are given more choice as to what they're doing, where they're doing their service, et cetera, they are more likely to benefit from the service and more likely to serve again, which at least personally, that I think is a really big thing. I think we should not only want people to serve once, but also multiple times throughout their lifetimes. A rewarding feeling once you once you do it once, you almost want to do it again. Exactly. What would you think is the hardest aspect of arguing in favor of voluntary service programs? Hardest aspect is probably the fact that it is voluntary and thus not everybody's going to be doing it. And we're attempting to fight polarization, which is a really big ask. And so having some people who won't be participating is probably the biggest hurdle that Nishant and I are going to be attempting to get over during the trial. So I feel like the some of the hardest aspects could be like motivating those people to um, participate in these programs. Do you have any idea as to what your plan will look like when you like officially present it to the jury on April 24th? Well, I don't want to give anything away, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I think that we're really going to be focusing on, first of all, the fact that it's flexible. I think that that is probably one of the most endearing parts about the voluntary program versus mandatory. 
And then we're also going to be using a lot of the visuals that the science team has come up with and created or pulled from the articles that they've researched. Because I think talking at a jury is one thing. Um, Being able to visualize that data brings just a whole other aspect to an argument. In terms of the voluntary service programs, what are the main benefits that you do not see in mandatory service programs? Well, I know I keep hammering this part at home, but the flexibility is just such a big one. Also, the the benefits that we as the con team are going to institute, such as student loan reimbursement or paying for college, that cost is a really big barrier for people to be able to get an education when they want one. And so having a program where people can get their college paid for by contributing to their community, I think is a really big thing and really important. So kind of like building incentives for people to volunteer to get that sort of motivation that is an aspect that's kind of hard to to conquer. Yes. Once we hit Friday, it's just going to be three weeks left until trial. So what is going to be your, your main focus as we uh, hone down on these last few weeks? So I think like right now, Nishant and I's main focus is poking holes in our argument. What are the questions that are going to come up from the jury? How are we going to answer those questions before they even arise from the jury? Um, how do we kind of anticipate the pro team's argument and have our own rebuttals for that? Um, I've been doing a lot of, you know, calling family members, talking to friends, giving the argument and having them just interrupt me when they don't understand something. You know, we've all been researching this for over half a semester now. So we have this vast knowledge. And at least personally, I sometimes forget what knowledge is common knowledge and what knowledge I've just learned from this class. And so really like just finding the holes, finding where the argument's weak so that we can ensure that we have the strongest argument. Do you feel prepared yet or do you are you nervous for the trial? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel prepared. That doesn't mean I'm not nervous though. I mean, we put a whole lot of work into this this project, not just Nishant and I for the Connor human. I mean, the whole class has put in a lot of work. Um, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, one side wins, we all win because we all did the research. Any closing thoughts you have for our listeners or anything you wanna add to our podcast? I would like everybody to sign up for the jury um, (laughs) to come listen and watch the arguments. I think they're going to be really good. The pro team is very talented as well. Um, I know they've got a lot of really great arguments. So I think it's going to be a really, really good trial. Yes, I I 100% agree with you. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, Madeline, for your time today and discussing your plans to market voluntary service programs in the U.S. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Depolarizing America. Make sure to visit our website, scicourt.umn.edu, to stay updated on the latest research. Catch up with our weekly blog posts, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SciCourt. We hope to see you next time as we further discuss how to depolarize the United States.